we're in First Thessalonians, we're in chapter 2. Listening to Paul talk to this church that was so special to him and so meaningful to him. And he talked about leadership and about leadership qualities. And we've talked about that. And now we kind of see why he was so excited about the church. Because the church embraced the gospel. That is the message of, of Jesus. The hope that's found in trusting our lives with Jesus. They embraced that and they, they moved into that and they moved into it with all their heart. And so as a result, they be, become a church that's quite honestly against the grain. Because to follow a holy God like we just worshipped and talked about, to follow that holy God means that there will be times when we are counterculture. There will be times when we live outside of or even against the flow of institutions and organizations and and guidelines. There have been times historically where the church even has to make decisions to live outside of civil law because we follow first and foremost Christ. And the church of Thessalonica did that. They were fully transformed followers and disciples and believers of Jesus. And Paul talks about that transformation and and how ultimately it oftentimes ends up against the grain, but how that transformation changes literally everything about who we are. It changes our perspective on life. It changes our perspective on who God is. It changes our worldview. It changes the balance of our convictions and our beliefs. It changes how we act, how we behave. It changes what we will succumb to and what we will stand against. It it transforms us fully and completely. And this begins in verse 13. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Verse 13 simply says, this is why we constantly thank God. He's referencing back to that leadership and being in Thessalonica, enjoying being in that church, knowing that church, knowing the leadership of that church, seeing the things that God did. This is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which works effectively in you who believe. Now from 14 on, he talks about some of the friction and some of the conflict that can come by being a fully committed follower of Jesus. But in just this one verse, in verse 13, We get a picture of transformation. What happens when I meet Jesus? How does he change my life? If if somebody from our church met you and you're here because you're a friend of theirs, they're living out the vision of our church to invite you into an opportunity to experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Well, what does that life change begin to look like? What What does that mean to be invited into a life change? Because honestly, not all life change is good. Fortunately, the life change that Jesus brings is exceedingly good, and that's why we want you to experience it, and that's why we're thankful that we've experienced it. What does it look like? If you look at Paul's words, just kind of break them down as he writes this one sentence. This is why we constantly thank God. Transformation can create appreciation. Paul's thankful for the church in Thessalonica. He's thankful for the individuals in Thessalonica. He's thankful for the grace of God, the mercy of God, the change that God can bring into our life. He's thankful for the forgiveness that gives us a new future and lets us move beyond the past. He's thankful for a cleansing that takes us from being unrighteous people to having the righteousness of Jesus living in us. 
His heart, his heart has been changed into one that is appreciating all that God does. And it changes our hearts. We're we're genuinely thankful. I I try to change up my prayers, especially public prayers. I try to pray in a variety of ways, but I find myself always in my prayer, regardless of how hard I'm trying to change it up as I'm starting to pray, just repeating over and over, God, I'm thankful for this. Thank you, God, for doing this. Because one of the primary things that I've seen God do in my life is he's made me a very grateful person. Because I attribute, like the Apostle James attributed, every good thing in my life, I attribute to God's working in my life. And so if I have a great experience, I'm thankful to God. If I, if I have recovery from an illness, I'm thankful to God. If I have friends that I'm excited to see, I'm thankful to God. If I get the opportunity like this morning to walk around campus and, and see our church, in action, greeting one another, loving one another, caring for one another, preparing to study the Bible, I am thankful to God. Because I believe, like the Apostle James does in the New Testament, that every good gift, literally every good thing we experience, came from God. My Heavenly Father, who is the Father of all lights, who changes our lives. Transformation makes us grateful. It it teaches us to appreciate what God's doing in our lives and in other lives as well. And so transformation turns us into a grateful people where we can praise God, where we can acknowledge how fortunate we are. It doesn't mean we deny our difficulties. It doesn't mean we live in some kind of delusion, some kind of metaphysical state where we just ignore the bad things that happen in our lives. Bad things do happen in our lives. But even in the worst moment I've ever had, Jesus was there. He was right there with me. He never left me alone. He sings the duet with me all the time, even if I'm out of key and out of pace with everybody else. He's always with me in every moment of my life. Since that night when I said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I want you in my life. Forgive me. And if possible, give me a hope of heaven and forever with you. He's never let me down. And I don't believe at this point there's any scenario in which he will let me down. Even when I let him down, he never lets me down. So believers, Christians, become appreciative people. Because transformation creates appreciation. Transformation can create perspective. If you're, before you know Jesus, there's a tendency to be sometimes cynical, sometimes just absolutely ignoring as if I don't need God, there's no purpose for him. But transformation changes that perspective. Look at the, again, verse 13. We're going to stay in verse 15 most of the time. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, received it. You have to accept God's invitation. You have to accept God's message. We We can do that in our lives where we get accustomed to not answering things. We get get accustomed to not answering the door because we're not anticipating somebody. We get accustomed to answering the phone. I I have that problem. I do just like everybody else probably. I think the majority of us, I I get a phone call and that phone call says unknown or that phone call says private or that phone call says out of region or that phone call is just a series of numbers from some little tiny town. I mean, 
It's amazing to me how they scam us these days and they, they use these numbers from, I mean, little tiny places I've passed through on hunting trips that I know don't have more than 15 residents, but they call me on my cell phone. I ignore it. I mean, I've, got, I've gotten to a place where I figure if it's legit at all, they're going to leave a message. And so I just ignore it. That happens to us spiritually. It happens to us before we know Christ, and if we're not careful, we can let it happen to us even after we know Christ. The way transformation works in our lives, when Jesus comes into our life and Jesus begins changing us, he makes us and he works us, and that transformation creates a perspective by which we're open. We want to hear it. When I, and I sit to myself and, and, and I think and I stop. When I'm reading my Bible, I do this. When I'm listening to a Christian song, I do this. When I'm in complete silence and I'm driving and just, just absorbing that quietness, I do this. What does God want to do today? My perspective has changed from being closed, the lackadaisical at best, to being open and ready. In Thessalonica, Paul was grateful for what God had done in their lives. And one of the things God had done in their lives was they became open-minded and they received the message of hope that's in Jesus. They got the invitation and they responded and said, yes, I'll believe in Jesus. Yes, I'll live for Jesus. Yes, I'm gonna let this transformation change my life. They didn't stay resistant. They didn't keep God at arm's length. They didn't shelter themselves from his presence. But they said, yes, I'll open myself to this. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy in physical relationships. It's not easy in metaphysical relationships. It's not an easy thing to open ourselves. We're walking into one of the, one of the biggest holidays that emphasizes love that our nation and, and our Western culture ever celebrates. In the next 24 hours, we hit Valentine's Day. We were, Carrie and I were driving, and I told her, I said, find some kind of Valentine playlist. And so we cycled through um, several playlists, got to listen to Eldon John sing, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? That's, that's how my morning started. I left it on that playlist yesterday while I was doing some things, and, and uh, just because I was thinking about her and happy about her and grateful for her, and, and, um, and that's, that's what I opened it up to, is that picture of Pumbaa. I mean, it's just... My dad gave me a Pumbaa doll for, for um, my birthday. So we have Pumbaa on the head, I guess, right now at the moment. We have a cure for Pumbaa at the ranch, but that's derailing onto a completely different solution, <laughs> different story. Uh, you know, just, I don't even remember what I was talking about. No, I do too. I remember what I was talking about. Just the difficulty it is to become open. I mean, so we're going through those. Let me, can I reboot that whole thing? I mean, I just like got confused there. I mean, there's a combination of thinking about my wife, and that makes me want to go to lunch, and I'm getting confused again. So I asked her to put a Valentine playlist on, and she found one actually that says, I hate Valentine's Day. That was the, that was the playlist. We chose not to listen to it because of some of the titles. Didn't sound like it was going to be a very positive place to go. Relationships can be hard. It is scary to open yourself it is scary when you meet that girl. It's scary when you, you meet that guy and you try to open yourself up in the dating process. It's scary. It's scary even after years of relationship to open yourself up further and grow in that relationship. So don't be surprised if it's scary to open yourself to a relationship with Almighty God. But you can be surprised that he knows that fear and he wants to gently and very peaceably 
move into our lives and help us change. Transformation gives us that new perspective that says, yes, I'm open to a relationship with God. Let me let him come in and be a part of my life. Transformation creates conviction. If you look at verse 13 again, they welcomed him not, and this is a critical statement, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God. Transformation creates a conviction. We begin to develop a new worldview. We begin to develop a belief system. And that belief system leads us and guides us. It helps us filter the decisions we have to make. It helps us filter the experiences in life. I think differently now that I'm a believer in Christ. I think differently now that I trust the word of God and I've developed a belief that this is God's word. It's authoritative. It's valuable for my life and it's worth studying and reading every day and helping me make decisions in every area, in my relationships, in my business, in every area of my life. It's valuable. It helps me. It gives me the conviction upon which I can stand and live my life. I didn't really have convictions, actually, quite honestly. I had things I wanted to do. I had things I thought were important. I had goals that I thought would be great for me to accomplish. But after Jesus came into my life and began changing me, that's when I began to realize there's some things I really believe now. There's some things I believe about God. Because of things I believe about God, I believe certain things about people. Because I believe certain things about God and I believe certain things about people, I believe certain things about institutions and organizations. I believe in the value of something like church where we can gather and get encouragement and see one another and be encouraged to face this week because we'll be out there with the rest of the world the rest of this week. And as we see in the very last part of this, that can create some friction because their belief systems are not our belief systems. And Paul acknowledges that. You receive the message of hope from Jesus, not as a human message. It wasn't a philosophy. It it wasn't a social construct. It it wasn't the latest news. It it wasn't some ideology that was discussed just in the segments of the philosophers and the, the activities and venues of debate, the coffee shops of the first century AD where we discuss everything. It was a message from God to his creation that said, I created you because I love you and I have kept you because I love you and I want to be with you now because I love you. It's not a hard message. Oh, there are plenty of hard things you can study and learn and think about and contemplate in scripture and in a relationship with God. But the bottom line was he made us and he's happy with what he made and he just wants to keep living with us. It gives us conviction. Because I know God created me, I have a different perspective and a different conviction on who I am. Because I know that God redeemed, he he saved, whatever terminology you want to use, he took, and when I had spoiled that creation, he made it a new creation. It gives me a different perspective. It gives me a different conviction on who I am, my identity, and how I live my life and how I influence the people around me. This is one of the reasons we should pray for transformation. Matter of fact, pray for our students. Next week, our students go into our annual spring 
discipleship conference. Every year we hold a discipleship conference for our students. We bring in guest speakers. We bring in guest musicians. Um, There'll be breakout sessions. There'll be main worship sessions. I think actually those of us who aren't students, those of us who are just a few years older than our students, I think we're all invited to the worship services. I know there's a worship service Friday night. There's a worship service Saturday morning. There's a worship service Saturday night. We're invited into those worship services. And this year, the theme of that conference is this changes everything from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, where Paul, again, writing to the church of Corinth this time, said, if any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. The old has passed away and the new has come. And our students will look at that throughout the weekend. We'll look at it on Sunday morning together. We'll step out of this series for just just a moment to be with them next week with the concert. Join the conference. Join, join and be a part of the worship services. Students, if you haven't registered yet, I think registration is still open. Matter of fact, I can probably tell you that if you email our youth pastor, he'll make registration still open. We want you here because transformation changes our convictions. And it's important. You're going to take out two days of your life to look at the scripture, understand how transformation works and how meeting Jesus changes everything for the better and solidify that in your life. It's an important practice. We as adults need to do it as well. It changes our conviction. It changes our trust. It creates trust. He says, and I love this phrase, which also works effectively in you who believe. Works effectively. This may sound kind of odd, but part of the reason I'm here is because I have seen how God changes lives, and it works. It it wasn't just an idea. It, It wasn't just some kind of dream or aspiration. I have watched God change lives. That's part of why Paul's writing this. The whole reason he's pinning this sentence is because he recognizes as a minister the most rewarding thing is to see how God works in lives. And God worked in lives in Thessalonica. And that church is alive and vibrant and changing their world because God worked in that. And that is the most rewarding thing for a minister. In fact, just this past week, I got one of those moments in in emails that just blesses you. I received an email from a young lady. She was young when I met her 20 years ago. My wife and I ministered to her. She was a part of our church at that time. She accepted Christ. She became a believer. And she had come from a background of of all types of difficulties and, and, and dysfunctions. It was an extreme case. It was one of those cases where oftentimes you would sit back and think, can God do this? I got a letter from her this week, got an email from her this week telling me and thanking me and thanking my wife for ministering to her so long ago. She's a nurse, and she works in the medical field. And she talked about how doctors and nurses have struggled so hard during COVID, and many of them have turned to substance abuse, turned to alcohol, turned to drugs. And because of the way Jesus changed her life, today, 20 years later, she's able to minister in that medical field to those doctors and those nurses and help them realize and understand all substance abuse is going to do is numb the pain for a moment. You're going to have to take it again. And it'll potentially ruin, not potentially, it will ruin every other area of your life. And she's been able to tell them, no, Jesus will be with us in this pandemic. We don't have to turn to those things to deal with the stress. Jesus will help us with this stress. Transformation 
changes who we are and it gives us the ability then to trust because we know it works. She can give that message to the doctors and to the nurses and and to the orderlies and all the staff in the hospital. She can give that message because she knows it works. We can give that message to our kids. We can give that message to our coworkers. We can give that message to our students at school. We can share that message because we've seen it, we've watched it, and we know it works. Transformation can create trust. Lastly, and very quickly, just because I feel like you ought to have a very authentic and transparent understanding of the way God changes lives. It changes who you are. It changes you for the better. But not everybody is going to like it. He says in verse 14, for you brothers and sisters became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles, this new missionary region Paul's at, so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit and wrath has overtaken them at last. They're not gonna be always excited. In this environment, this is the safest environment you can share the transformation of knowing Jesus because everybody here is gonna cheer. But you're gonna go back to school tomorrow. You're gonna go back to school excited about what God's doing, excited about how he changed, excited about worship, excited about studying the Bible. You're gonna be excited about D-Now next weekend and you're gonna find friends and you're gonna find teachers. You're gonna find people that aren't excited. Transformation can create friction. In the midst of that friction, when it heats up, remember this. The reason you're creating friction is because Jesus changed your life. He will be with you in the friction. He will stand with you in the persecution. And we will continue the message that there is hope in Jesus. Those who oppose Christ will face wrath, no doubt about it. But we have the opportunity in the style we live our lives to give them a message that if they will receive it, they'll know the same transformation we know. There's no greater example in history than the Apostle Paul who's writing this to the church in Thessalonica. God changed him from a persecutor of Christians to a leader of Christians. And God can do that to the bullies at school. God can do that to the problems we have at home. God can do that to the problems we have in our workplaces. God can do that to the problems we have in our nation. Transformation. It's what God offers It's what we need to make the decision to receive. And then when God works that in our lives, he makes us changers of this world. He makes us heralds, distributors, preachers, sharers of hope, his hope.